In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the Everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 217. Slash number 60. Yes. <laughs> Flashback! <laughs> As part of the Legends Month uh, crossover that we're doing in the month of April, um, we are doing a something a little bit strange. We're representing. That's what we're calling it, right? Represent? Yes. Okay. Representing um, Lanterncast represents, and then we're gonna re-release an old episode. But rather than just confuse you by <laughs> straight out releasing an old episode with no no warning or anything <laughs> before or after, this uh, is your warning. <laughs> this, this, this is your warning. Uh, we are representing for your enjoyment episode number sixty of the Lanterncast. Way back when Jim and Dan were the hosts of the show. Lantern Cast uh, Classic. That's right. Why, why are we doing this? Well, because of Legends Month that we're running uh, with uh, Views from the Long Box, Pop Culture Affidavit, and Gotham Girls Podcast. Um, we are covering the various issues of the Legends of the DC Universe. Uh, we're doing this because... Basically, I <laughs> the whole idea came from because I don't know if people have been listening to the spinoffs, so this might be the first time they've heard about this. Um, the whole idea came from I stumbled upon uh, upon an entire run of Legends of the DC Universe at a, in a dollar bins uh, at my local comic book shop a few months ago, and I noticed uh, that that had every single Green Lantern appearance from that series. So I snatched all that up. Thought to myself, wait. Well, didn't we cover this at one point on the Lantern Cast and not get to the rest of it? Turns out we did. We covered it way back in episode number 60. Well, when I say we, I just mean the show in general. I wasn't there. Uh, <laughs> so, since we're going to, since we wanted to kind of complete that, uh, that uh, section of Green Lantern history, uh, we said, okay, we'll do it in a month and just invited whoever wanted to participate in on with it. So, Pop Culture Affidavit, Gotham Girl, and. Box all decided to participate. So that's what this is. Um, I have already done a, uh, a, a Legends Month entry for the Green Lantern Green Arrow 3 issues from the DC uh, Legends of the DC Universe series, and that was on the most recent episode of Green Lantern Green Arrow spinoff. Uh, we are representing this episode, uh, episode number 60s, where we covered the Traitor storyline, um, which was... Six issues total scattered throughout the uh, um, Legends of the DC Universe series in two-issue chunks. 
and then Mark later on will be covering. Mark, you want to tell him what you're covering? I will be covering. Let's see if I get the numbers right since I don't have it in front of me. Oh God! <laughs> now I'm gonna now I'm, now I'm gonna choke. Let's see if I can grab it real quick. Hold on a second. Oh, I'm reaching for it as we speak. <laughs> It's like 30 somethings. Uh, yeah, I know. I think it's thir- 33. I almost said it started with 34. So we're gonna, um, Jim and I in the Lantern Cast pre the pre birth spinoff. We're going to be doing the Legends of the DC Universe 34, 33, 34, 35, 36. The four part Destroyer of Worlds storyline, which essentially, other than the two appearances that the Spectre has, and which we will be doing. So we ideally wanted to do these all in chronological order, but based on recording constraints, we haven't been able to do that yet. So that'll probably be like a 2.5 episode when it comes out. But we're going to be doing basically the first full story arc that Hal Jordan as the Spectre appeared in, which was setting up the basically the status quo of what was going to roll over into his ongoing series, What kind of what gave us a preview of what was what to expect, and what kind of specter Hal Jordan was going to be. And one of my favorite storylines of during the time of Hal Jordan being the specter. So I think I think the listeners will probably, hopefully anyway, they're going to enjoy that one. I think Jim and I are going to have a lot of fun recording it, which will be coming like very shortly. And so that that will, that will probably be the conclusion, at least on our end of, the, of our Legends Month. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's just just through the month of April. Uh, and if you if you want to check out the participating uh, entries, seriously, uh, just Google one of the three. So uh, Gotham Girls podcast, pop culture affidavit, or views from the long box, uh, and uh, you will definitely find there. If you scroll through their more recent posts, you will definitely see the uh, entries in the Legends Month crossover. But that's neither here nor there, because we are going to represent episode number 62, you guys. Right meow. That's it, right meow. Meow. <laughs> Back to the future! I'm Dan Kersky. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 60. Episode, wow, 60. Yep, 6-0. That, we, our, our show could qualify for retirement. Uh, I don't know, these day and age. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do a uh, few more episodes before that can happen. Fine. Let's milk the system as long as we can. <laughs> um. Okay. Alright, so tonight we're talking about uh Green Lantern Trader. This is a um a uh, DC what was the series called? Legends? Legends of the DC Universe? DC Legends. Yeah, DC Legends. It was a series that ran through the nineties. It's well, well why don't you tell them why we're doing this? Okay, well oh yeah, you're right. It's actually called Legends of the DC Universe. Cool. <laughs> so uh GL Kite, John Godwin on the forums. He had a a big thread on on there um, listing a bunch of trades that he had to sell. And, you know, I got in there and I scooped up a bunch of the Green Lantern trades because I like having my Green Lantern in multiple formats. (laughs) And 
one of the one of the books that I got was the Green Lantern Trader trade. Now I, I am almost positive that I have all the single issues, although I again am almost positive that I only ever read the Kyle Rayner issues. So because they they didn't uh, they didn't come out back to back these issues. It was issues twenty twenty one twenty eight and twenty nine and thirty seven and thirty eight. So yeah, so uh, I got the the. I read the last two issues back when they first came out, and I enjoyed those, so I was definitely looking forward to reading this. And I mentioned it, I think it was last episode, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you said, why don't we review that next episode? And here we are. Yeah. I actually didn't know they came out, like, spread out like that, but it it really does make sense. Yeah, yeah. No, it does, it does. And... Yeah, as we were going through, you can kind of see, like, they do kind of do, like, a recap throughout, you know, each of the, the two, you know, mini stories. It, it, it's broken down into uh, two-issue, it's like three two-issue arcs. Yeah, you could you could read any one of them by themselves, and I think each one of them has kind of an ending. So if you wanted to just read the one with your favorite Green Lantern in it, you could do that. Or you could read all of them and you could get a larger story. Yep. Alright, so let's, let's dive in. Yeah, I'll, I'll take, I'll do a quick review of the, the first two issues here. So, like I said, this was issues 20 and 21 of Legends of the DC Universe, or the first two parts of the, uh, Green Lantern, Led, uh, tr- Trader, Trade Paperback. Uh, it's basically, you have Abin Sir heading to Earth, and he's following the trail of this this alien that's, like, conquered worlds all through the the universe, the galaxy, the sector. I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll say sector. Okay. So they just say thousands of worlds. That works. So, yeah, he, he kind of crash lands on Earth, and... Thankfully, he uh, falls under the protection of a, a cowboy, a new, um, what, what do you call these, uh, ranger? Marshall. Marshall. Uh, and what's the marshal's name? Oh, it is... God, I can only remember his last name. <laughs> <laughs> it's Henry Lee. Henry Lee. Henry Lee Jordan. Oh, yes. yes. Henry Lee Jordan. So... So that's interesting. So yeah, so you have Abin, sir. He's on the trail of this guy whose name is Traitor. His actual name is Devlos Ungol. <laughs> but uh you know, he may have taken up a you know, a fake name while he's here on Earth. And uh it turns out the reason that he's hunting this guy is because, you know, he's a alien warlord, he's destroyed tons and tons of worlds. And he's actually the re- you know he was the one that killed the guy before Abin Sir, who is let's see this is gonna be oh. this is gonna be a tough one Star Kaor. does that sound about right Starkor Starkor S wait S C A R K A 
an O with an X over it, <laughs> and an R. Yeah. I don't know what the O with the X over it is supposed to add to the pronunciation, so I've just been thinking of him as Starkor. <laughs> okay, Starkor it is. Starkor was Abin Sir's predecessor, and he died battling Traitor. He kind of like, you know, as uh, Starkor died, Traitor was defeated in battle. So Abin Sir has been hunting him, and now he's on Earth. And, you know, coincidentally, this Henry Lee Jordan, he's also going after some bad guys that, uh, what, ever since, was it, Wyatt Earp hung up his boots, I think they said? Yeah. Yeah. And there's also a nice little uh, call out to uh, the the Kents in Smallville, but um, yeah. So they they are going through the the old west, and uh, they finally track down this traitor and defeat him. And that's that's basically how the first part goes. Simple enough. Yeah. I usually don't like westerns, but I like this. Me too. Yeah. Like it's. It's uh, and we should we should say uh, the the creative team for this like this is oh yeah the whole the whole the whole thing all six issues was written by Steve Grant and it was I think Mike Zeck drew these first two issues yes yes yeah and there's so many little things that those two guys put in here that kind of help I want to say almost humanize Abin Sir because like like when he and um. <laughs> he and uh oh god what's what's the what's Jordan's first name I keep forgetting Hank Henry Lee Henry Henry Lee when Henry, when he and uh, Henry Lee are talking at night before they go off uh you know hunting down trade or whatnot they're they're um they're like having like cups of coffee or soup or whatever and Abin's holding his cup in one panel and then you turn the page and you can tell he tried and he thinks it's terrible and then you turn the page again and he's like pouring it out and it's just like little, just little, little personality touches through their facial expressions and just throwaway bits of dialogue. Like, Henry Lee goes to bed down for the night and Abin's gonna stay up because he apparently doesn't require sleep. Or like l- later on when he gets shot with a gold tipped bullet, they want to pronounce him dead because it looks like it's through the heart, but he's an alien, so he tells them, hey, my heart's not there, basically. Yeah. What you call it? Yeah, it's funny when. He tastes the coffee. He's literally sticking out his tongue. Yeah. He's like, yuck. Which, that could be because the green energy cup has changed the taste of the coffee. Oh, the vinegar thing from, yeah, yeah from Kyle's room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is, this was a, this was a good story. This is the first time we've seen Abin Sir's predecessor. Yeah. Like, for the longest time, the only Abin Sir content anybody ever got was his death. So it's <laughs> it's interesting to see him just on a solo adventure that doesn't end with him dying somehow. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, seriously, I've seen more versions of Abin Sir dying than I have Abin Sir living adventures. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, there there was there was one story where not that uh not that he died. But he he like landed on Earth and temporarily made somebody a Green Lantern. It was in uh, like a backup tale in the the second series of Green Lantern. I don't remember that. I remember there's um 
an annual or something where he chases an alien to Earth during the 40s and him and Alan Scott end up trading rings for some reason. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that I remember. No, um, there was, uh, hold on, issue 149 of Green Lantern. This is, what, this is saying that, yeah, issue 149 of volume 2, uh, Daniel Young. Like, apparently, oh, yes. Abin Sir got, uh, he, like, he crashed, and, you know, he passed the ring on to Daniel Young temporarily. Yeah, and he's, like, he lived in, like, a log cabin and had a dog, and there's this great shot where, like, outside the door to his cabin was all this cosmic stuff, and it was great. Uh, well, are you confusing him with, uh, Waverly Sayer? Maybe? Which one had a yeah. dog? <laughs> Waverly Sayer had his had the dog. All right, that's Waverly, yeah. Waverly Sayer was probably the Green Lantern just before Starcore. Oh, okay. And he was he was also a human who was a Green Lantern. Although that's kind of odd considering what they've been you know doing in Blackest Night. Yeah. But whatever. Oh, I can't imagine anybody remembers that. <laughs> what what you call it? One thing that I thought was very interesting in this story was. The way Abin Sir used his ring, yeah, his his constructs were like they were very simple, you know, like with with Kyle especially, and you know to some extent also Hal Jordan, their their ring constructs are either more elaborate, they're like Earth items and things that actually mean stuff to us, you know how Hal Jordan is you know punching glove and. You know, everybody knows the the old standbys and stuff like that. Yeah. But but with Abin Sir, he basically just uses the ring to get things done. You know, like he just he creates a beam that holds people up. He created like a like a pincher type thing to pick something somebody off a horse, and he he created like a giant scoop at one point. It's all it's very basic stuff. He's very um John Stewart from JLU with his yes. ring. Mm-hmm. I kind of like I kind of like seeing him use the ring for energy effects, you know, as opposed yeah. to like, all right, can, I'll throw a giant panda at them. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty of room for giant panda throwing, but yeah. the the only thing that it would have been cool to see like a couple of interesting constructs, only because that would give us a little more insight into like what is on Abin Sir's mind. Yeah. Although, if you think about it, he's probably trying to kind of minimize the cultural damage, you know. Oh, that's true. Prime directive and all. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) Speaking of that, what do you think of how basically accepting everyone in the Old West is of, like, like, hey, there's this guy with, like, Bright pink skin. He must be an Indian. Oh, that's, that's, that seems right to me. Let's go about our business. Oh my god, he just levitated people off the floor and made our guns dissolve. Oh, it's Indian magic. Alright, that makes sense. <laughs> Let's get some drinks. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, it, it does kind of fit. Because, you know, you had a lot of, like, mysterious things going on back then. I mean, you know, you're talking about, like, back when people were like afraid of ghosts and stuff like that and you know how how much how much uh time had passed before before this where uh 
the Salem witch trials were going on. People thought that they were witches and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? It's just so funny. Like, like I think there's even a scene in here where um Henry Lee and Abin are talking. And Abin basically tells him, yeah, I'm an alien. I come from the planet Ungar. And he's like, and he just says, says something like, that's, that's, where is he, what does he say? Uh, oh, that's down, that's down by Bolivia, right? <laughs> and Abin's just like, ah, yeah, close enough. Well, he doesn't say homeworld. Um, he catches himself before he, you know, he says that stuff. Yeah. Um, what you call it? I think it's it's important to note that this guy traitor, uh, Devlos Ungol, like he started out as uh, like a warlord kind of character fighting in the armies. Um, they say he had a genius for war and slaughter, so they kind of. They gave him, like, this uh, super armor with uh, intense might and adaptability. Yes. So he basically became, like, a low-level version of Doomsday. Yep. Uh, and his his armor was powered by dying sons. Yeah. It had to be As, dying sons, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, alive sons actually, like, I think, what... Like, stopped any power from happening. Yep. Yeah. So he had to be, like, within uh, shining distance of a dying star, basically, for it to be powered up. Yeah. Which is appropriate for this kind of guy. <laughs> he's, he's like, Doomsday, S- Superman, and a Dragon Ball Z character wrapped into one. <laughs> <laughs> I like that they had uh, the golden bullets. Yeah. That's That's always clever. But how do you paint a bullet? No, I know. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's that the, the, the first two issues in this were fantastic. I, I really liked them. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I mean, the only thing that I would I would kind of kind of go eh on was um the fact that he just happens to run into the ancestor of Hal Jordan. But it's like, but you know, it, that's not even important to the story. Like, this guy could have been any random guy. Yeah. And, like, they only call him... They only use the last name Jordan, like, three times in this entire two-issue thing. Yeah, actually, I didn't uh, I didn't catch it until later on when they said Sheriff Jordan. They don't treat it like a big deal kind of thing. Like, right. oh, that was Sheriff Jordan. There was no page turn reveal. They introduced him as, um... As... Oh, God, I keep forgetting his name. Henry... Henry Lee. Henry, Henry Lee. Lee. Henry Lee. They introduce him as Henry Lee. They call him Henry, Henry Lee for, like, six pages. And then, in a random panel in the middle of a page, he calls himself Henry Lee Jordan when he's talking to somebody. And it's, 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 it's just, like, little, and they don't make a huge deal about it. Now, I know that there was a miniseries of the Kents back in the Old West. I remember that, yeah. Now, I never read that, but was this guy in it? I, I didn't read it either. That would be, you know, you see, that would be really cool. Because, like, they make a point of, of pointing out that he worked for Sheriff Nate Kent, the best man he ever knew. And the guy looks like, he basically looks like Superman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know what? At the end here, because Traitor, and I don't even know if we said, that he's called Traitor because after he got those military upgrades, the first thing he did was kill his home planet. <laughs> so, yeah, we didn't mention that. So, you know, it's kind of a fitting moniker. But Traitor 
during their their big climactic fight levels this town, and Avancer basically uses his ring to rebuild it. You know, he he puts all the rubble back into place, and like it, it, it it's awesome. And that made sense to me because at first I I seem to remember the first time I read this like he just generated a new town and that I'm like what but you know, this, <laughs> this time around I'm like oh yeah there's a panel where he's rebuilding it it reminded me of I think it was Flash number two from the current run did you read that yet um the apartment building oh yeah yeah how yeah. It was like a, a crack or something like that, and it tore the entire building down, and he rebuilt it. Yeah, he rebuilt it by himself in, like, five minutes. Right. <laughs> and, like, this is essentially the same kind of thing, except, like, it's it's played less for humor. And it, I, uh, I just remember, because, like, even up to now, people are still talking about how that scene was, like, stupid and pissed them off, and how, like, oh, it doesn't make sense that the Flash could do that, blah, blah, blah. Really? Yeah, like every almost everyone I've talked to about that issue has been complaining about it, how it was too silly and it makes no sense, and how can the Flash carry girders? That's stupid. And, and I'm like, come on, come, wow, just come on. It it that like I thought that was played perfectly because and okay, spoilers for Flash number two now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they uh, not you know obviously we just spoiled some of it already, but uh. Yeah, he goes, he runs, and he reads books at super speed on how to rebuild, like, an apartment building, basically. Yeah, and then he does it. And then he does it, like, immediately afterwards, and he says, like, he can speed read, but he can only retain the information for a very brief period of time. Yeah, and then, like, he does a little bit where he replaces the little girl's doll, and, I mean, it's, but that's, it was a display of power. It was, you know, informing people who might not have known about the speed reading thing about it, and it was played for fun. It was supposed to be funny, too. Like, yeah. Like, sometimes, sometimes we take these things too seriously. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, figure, okay, well, he's Abin Sarah, whatever. He can rebuild the town if he wants to. Yeah. The one thing that I thought was a little, uh, I guess ambiguous, you couldn't really tell too much. He basically, he's trapping Traitor in his ring in this, this last scene with Traitor. Yes. Um, cause like, I'm looking at it and Traitor's trapped in like an energy bubble. And he's, in you know, the bubble's getting smaller and smaller. Like, I basically took that as he was sending him off into outer space and he was getting farther and farther away. Really? Yeah, that's originally what I thought. Oh. So, the next part was a little surprising to me. Oh, alright. Yeah, anyway. Huh. So, <laughs> next. Oh, God. Alright. Alright. So, next. Alright, we got... This is Hal Jordan and the Atom. And it is... It's still written by Stephen Grant. This time, it is... Art by Gil Kane and... Oh, Klaus Jensen. So, we'll say drawn by Gil Kane, inked by Klaus Jensen. Yeah, yeah, no, it was definitely Klaus Jansen on inks. Which, which to point out, Gil Kane, creator of Hal Jordan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice guy. Just throwing that out there. I'm assuming he's okay. a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Trader is still stuck wherever the hell Abinster has stuck him. It's years later, he's watching Hal Jordan through Hal's ring as he fights 
you know, his his usual cast of bad guys, and he's learning how to how to override Hal's control of the ring by watching how people like Hector Hammond and Black Hand do it. But again, Traders, he's he's all locked up. He's away from the starlight that powers him. So there's nothing he can do about it. So, you know, he... What does he do? He sets into motion this plan to get Ray Palmer, the Atom, close enough to Hal Jordan that the White Dwarf Star material that's woven into Ray's costume to give him his size-changing powers will, like, give Traitor, like, this, uh, this tiny little boost of energy that'll be just enough to let him take control of Hal's ring. And, basically, and this is where we find out that for sure the Traitor is inside the ring, he basically takes the microscopic world inside the ring and swaps it out for Earth. So now the microscopic world is big and it's in, it's in normal space. And Earth is microscopic and inside the ring. So, you know, Ray tries to catch Hal up with all this crazy crap. They jump out of the ring and for some reason <laughs> are able to fight Traitor with their fists and not be killed immediately. <laughs> we get some, some uh James Bondian like villain monologuing with death traps and then the uh Hal wills the ring back to him gives Ray a copy of the ring so he can shrink down back inside the main ring <laughs> <laughs> and and use that ring to re-enlarge the earth to normal size outside of the ring before it explodes, because that happens sometimes, apparently. But there's still the problem of, well, wait, if the world grows to normal size, it's going to hit the other world that's in its place, and they're both going to explode. But that's okay, because a suicidal dog pressed a button. (laughs) (laughs) A suicidal dog threw a switch and blew up the world. Not the one we care about, though, so that's all right. It was the one the traitor was on. So when the, like, when the Earth came back to normal size, it's just, it, it, there was nothing in its way. It got put back to where it was supposed to be. California seems to have moved though, but we won't talk about that. And it's just Hal and the Atom, and also there's Gene Loring and Carol Ferris in matching bathing suits for no reason. And nobody can find Traitor. But that's all good, cause he's in the sun now. <laughs> Can I just say, I think, I think I must have gotten the issues of these, either when they came out or as back issues, but, like, I got them back in the 90s. Right. And, I see this awesome Alex Ross cover of the Atom and Green Lantern just flying ahead of some fire and shooting stuff, and it looks awesome. <laughs> I read these two issues, I had no idea what the fuck happened. <laughs> Like, like now, when I read, like, this is the first time in years that I've read this. Yeah. And now I could follow it. But back then, like, when I was younger, I had no, alright. I had no idea where they were at any point. I had no <laughs> idea. I couldn't figure out how Hal's ring was in multiple places at the same time. How, or how are they in his ring if they're using his ring? And why does the Atom have his ring while he's in the ring, while Hal's using the ring? And, 
And like, I just, it just didn't click with me the whole like, like, they, they pulled the, the box inside out to put the world over there kind of deal that they had going on. And like, oh. I, t- I totally missed the whole, you know, oh, they blew up this other world and that's what happened. Yeah. Okay. Um, first off, I'll say that the first part of this I thought was very well done. You know, like with, uh, it, it's, it's set to take place, I guess, somewhat near the beginning of Hal Jordan's adventures. Yeah, because they say at the beginning, like, this is supposedly the first meeting of him and the Atom or something. Right, the first team up between him and the Atom. So, if you, if you read the issues, like, they could be, they could fit into, like, issue, you know, between 50 and 51 of the second series of Green Lantern, you know, back in the, I guess, late 60s or something like that. Yeah. These issues totally fit. Like, oh. they're, like, basically written, like, to a T to Hal Jordan's character back then. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And additionally, the the plot is so completely ridiculous, it also fits into, like, you know, the way that the stories went back then. It Wasn't Danny O'Neill doing a lot of art for the book back then, too, or am I thinking of a different time? Um... I think you're thinking of a later period, but I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head. Oh, I mean, um, Gil Kane, I'm sorry. Gil yeah. Kane. Oh, yeah, Gil Kane. Um, I don't know how, how far he was, uh, he was drawing, but, yeah, I mean, if you, if you put this into a section where Gil Kane was drawing Hal Jordan, then yeah, it completely fits. Everything, like, stylistically, like, this is just a continuation of the original Hal Jordan adventures. Now, that having been said, the second part of the story is, like, it is confusing. And true to form, just like those old stories, they don't explain a lot of things. Like, where the hell did these dog creatures, you know... Yeah! Like, like there's an entire universe in the Green Lantern ring, you know? <laughs> and this is just one of the worlds that's in there. It's inhabited by suicidal dog creatures. <laughs> and... I I mean, you know, it's it's pretty bizarre. I hated the museum scene cuz I couldn't fit I like I didn't even touch on the review. Ray is at this museum with Jean. And we get this cool couple of panels where he starts shrinking and growing uncontrollably and that looks that's kind of cool. He goes he inspects it and he lands on this like this supposed Indian artifact that you know, when you shrink it down, it's this distress call from Trader. It's this machine that he left there purposely. Like, it, it, alright, it's, it's a machine that Trader planted in this museum to specifically deliver a message to the atom so that the atom would go to Green Lantern. Okay, wait. I'm gonna stop you right there because it's it's a piece of Trader's uh, old, you know, his, his costume from the battle with uh, Abin Sir. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's why it's an Indian artifact, yeah. Right. So, like, it has basically his technology, and what's, what's essentially happening is that Trader can, you know, he has a telepathic link with this piece of armor as far away as it is. Oh, yeah, no, and, and they did explain that later which I'm glad about, because 
if, if when I first read this, I was going to, under the impression that this had he had to have set this up in advance and pre-recorded this thing. And I'm like, <laughs> seriously? How much coincidence? <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah, you know. I I think what's what is cool about this is that we get a lot of information on the atom. Mm. You know, it's like if you hadn't really known too much about the atom, like after this, these two issues, like you know exactly who the atom is and what his power set is and who his girl, girlfriend is. So that that was that was a nice touch. Well, what I was gonna say is Hal is Hal is like test flying like the most advanced alien spaceship I've ever seen. <laughs> Like, seriously, what the hell kind of funding does Ferris Aircraft have? Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's just a cool design. It's got, like, laser cannons on the front. This is supposed to be, like, the 50s or 60s, right? <laughs> yeah. I think he's about to go blow up the Death Star. What you call it? I like, I love the, the whole uh, charity thing. The charity auction that they had. Yeah. That was really cool. What about the fact that the tattooed man shows up, the guy with the power to bring to life insane, like, vicious <laughs> tattoos. He can bring out a lion to maul you. He can bring out a giant fire wheel for some reason. He can bring out cannons, tanks. Instead, he just pulls out a pistol. I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna shoot you. <laughs> God, yeah. Stupid. Yeah. On the uh, the cover to the, the second part of this... Mm. I was looking at the uh, the traffic signs. Um, oh god, I can barely make it out. Yeah, it's like I can't rate make out one of them. It almost looks like manifested or something like that. Yeah. I, I have no idea. But the other one, you can clearly see Kane on the big sign, and just above that, you see Ross. <laughs> so that was cool. The two artists on this, the artist on the cover and the artist on the inside. Did, oh, no, he didn't. Because sometimes Alex Ross does a thing where he'll paint over another artist's pencils, but I don't think he did that here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the second part, it's a lot of craziness. Again, it's it's fitting that they had the whole villainous monologue thing for the tone that they were going for. Yeah. And they have, like, you know, the whole recap of the story that they told in the uh the first two parts so that if you had not picked up those you would know that there was a you know like a previous you know story where this ever all this stuff happened yeah and the, you you learn a little more about trader through each of these series it's basically like he died and yeah. they really wanted him as a warrior for battle and uh they basically brought him back to life with their technology so here you have a guy that's been brought back to life from the dead, and all he sees you now, now all he sees is like the only truth is death, and everybody needs to die basically. What I like is that we basically get Trader's backstory and origin three times, mm-hmm. and each time is from someone else's perspective. Like the first time, Avancer was passing on like his second hand, his second or third hand account of Trader's backstory. This time we get Trader's version of it, and like in the next the next section, which we'll, we're about to get to, we get another character's take on it, as like based on like the stories that she's heard, like passed down through the ages. And it's interesting to like note the differences in them. With the uh, 
with the Earth having to be brought back to regular size, that that does kind of make sense because like I don't I never understood why the ray was able to do it, but if you shrink something down, like you're just compressing all the atoms in it, so it's basically like you're turning it into something that could go supernova if it has enough mass. Yeah. So like if if they didn't resize the Earth in time, you know, it would just explode and uh, and and take the ring with it, like without a doubt. Yeah, I think that's basically it. And uh, yeah, then I guess explosion happens and Trader goes flying towards the sun, where he will not gain any more power. Yeah, this is probably sacrilege, but and I don't know. Which of them is to blame for this? I really... I didn't really like the art. Really? Yeah. I don't know if that's a Gil Kane thing or a Klaus Janssen thing, but... I don't know. I just... Something about the way that... I I guess I want to say it's a Gil Kane thing. Because... I, I just... I don't know. Just something about the way he draws draws figures. It just bothers me a little bit. Well, you know, I mean, you figure when he was drawing this, he must have been pretty old. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I've <laughs> seen like I, I mean, he's a, he's one of those artists where I've never really been all that thrilled with his work. Really? Even though, yeah. Oh. Well, okay. Do you have the Green Lantern showcases? Um, which black are and white. The, the black and white, like, phone books of Green Lantern uh, comics. I have the first one, yeah. Yeah, like, the art in that is beautiful. He's, wait, who's... Who drew Hal's first appearance? You know. Gil Kane, that's Gil Kane. Oh, okay. I guess I like younger Gil Kane. Yeah. It's like, it's like young Elvis and fat Elvis. I don't like fat Gil Kane. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I don't know the circumstances. I, I thought that this was art, art was good. I thought in some places it was very good. But overall, it was you know it was acceptable, definitely overall for me. I mean, I'm, I'm I mean, well, when it's bad, it just re- it's really bad. Like that that page where Hal bursts onto the scene at the uh, fundraiser, and like you get that panel of him making like the juggling clown, and you just look at his, the lower half of his body. It's yeah, like it's... it's just like a mass. His his legs are like a two foot long mass of muscle. That have a foot at the end. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah. I mean, to me, it's yeah. That that seems like it was done quick. Well, yeah. The other thing is uh, stories that I've heard. If you have you know an artist from from back in the day like Gil Kane, who eventually you know was was still making comics when when this came out, they they do everything very fast, and they do everything quick, and they do it loose. Erwin Hassan, the uh, artist who, he drew um, Alan Scott in uh, All-Star Comics. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about, like, the 40s now. And, you know, Erwin Hassan, you know, he's a nice old man now, and he uh, he still hits the conventions, and he still does commissions. Mm-hmm. And the man doesn't use a pencil. Like, he just, he takes a black marker and basically gives you a sketch of whoever you want. And 
I mean, you know, <laughs> say 99 times out of 100, they all come out amazing. And that one time out of 100, it's like, well, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. like, I'm Erwin Hassan, and, you know, basically I know how to do this. Yeah, and plus, like, back then, everybody was was really, really deadline-oriented. You know, yeah. The book, this book comes out once a month, we are putting it out once a month, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Whereas, it, you're not going to find, like, like today would be, like, it, it, any, any artist who, who is amazing but cannot keep a monthly schedule would not be able to hold their job if they were working back then. It doesn't matter what quality they turn in. If they can't do it fast, then they don't work. Right. <laughs> Definitely. And I, I'm, a lot of these artists were doing multiple books. Oh, yeah. I mean, they almost had to, to you know, make a living. Because they didn't get their pages back to be able to sell them. Oh, God, no. So... So what do you say we uh, we go to the final two issues? Yes, let's. Okay, now here we're on the the Kyle Rayner age of uh, Green Lanterns, and uh, you have you have Kyle Rayner, and he's you know he's hanging out in his apartment with uh, Jade, and all of a sudden he gets a uh, a visitor pop in. It's Stellara of Ramnos. She's uh. Kind of like an energy type being with a blue flame head, we'll say. Mm, yeah. Yeah, she needs help to defeat Traitor, who uh, just destroyed her world. He, I guess, uh, was floating around for a while, and uh, basically he came up with enough power, and um, these, st- was it Stellarians? Yeah. They had given up their, you know, war and whatnot. So they just have these these champions and uh Stellaro was one of the champions and you know she failed to defeat him, so he destroyed the whole world. So she's you know, she wants to bring Kyle there to to fight him. Unfortunately it turns out that when you defeat a Stellarian in battle, they become your slave for life. So she was actually working for Trader, and she, you know, was told by Trader to go get Green Lantern because he wants to fight him. So, you know, he, he gets, you know, he finds Kyle, and uh, he takes his ring off. He, he gets his ring off, like, pretty quickly. And he's like, wait, you're a Green Lantern? He's like, you know, I fought, I fought a couple of Green Lanterns now, and uh, you, sir, are no Green Lantern. Takes his ring. And basically crumbles it into dust. And so you have Kyle Rayner, who's sitting on uh, an asteroid, which is like a, a broken off chunk of, was that, Ram, Ramnos? Yeah, Ramnos. Ramnos. And he's just looking at this little pile of dust that was his Green Lantern ring. That's how they close that issue. The <laughs> second issue, he realizes, realizes, Hey, wait a second. I'm not dead. My costume's still here and I can still breathe. He's like, well, the, the ring still has power even though it's only dust. And he literally wills his ring back together onto his finger, which was very cool. And uh, then we have uh, Traitor. He's he's going to Ungara. I just realized his last name is Ungol. 
and he's going to on Gara. Hmm. Um, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's neither here nor there. So, yeah, so the first place that he was really stopped by a Green Lantern was over on Gara. So now he's going back there to, you know, kind of defeat them, you know, once and for all. And uh, he basically shoots like a, wow, it's this, like, colossal beam of energy at the planet. This would completely devastate it, if not destroy it completely. And who's there to stop it? Kyle Rayner, with a nice little energy shield to deflect it. So, you know, they they go off and uh, they have a good little fight. (laughs) And, uh, you know... Trader is, he's basically like, yeah, whatever you throw at me, you know, it's its not going to do any good. And whatever you throw at me is going to help me, uh, you know, evolve and become, you know, better and stronger and everything like that. So he keeps fighting and Trader just keeps on evolving. His armor keeps getting better and more advanced. Um, Kyle generates some of the previous Green Lanterns that Trader had defeated or been defeated by, rather, in battle. And uh, they're all basically acting as a distraction till till finally Kyle can get like the last couple of you know punches in, and that basically trigger triggers what Trader wanted all along. The reason that he was going after these Green Lanterns was not because he wanted revenge. It was because the nature of the Green Lantern ring that it can take on basically any weapon is perfect for field testing an armor that evolves to battle any weapon. So he kept on going up against Green Lanterns so that his armor would become, like, the most advanced that it could possibly be. Till finally there was barely any humanity left, and Kyle completely realized this, and he his last-ditch effort is a tiny little beam flies into Trader's mouth, he swallows it, and it turns out to be an EMP, uh, electromagnetic pulse. And it completely knocks Trader out for a little while. And uh, now Kyle's basically going to die. <laughs> but <laughs> but not so, because Stellaria, turns out they, uh, they can give up their life force. And uh, she gives her life force to Kyle so that, you know, he's completely healed from the battle and He's alive, and she's going to die, which isn't really that bad because all of her other people have died already. Hmm. And uh, what Kyle then does is he collects all the pieces of Ramnos, and he fuses them back together around Mm -hmm. Traitor so that no starlight will ever be able to reach him, uh, in effect creating, recreating a planet that was destroyed. And he buries Stellaria there. Yeah. I like it when Kyle builds planets. He's done that at least one other time that I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> what was the other time? I th- it was right around Our Worlds at War, I think, when like Pluto just happened to vanish or something. So, you know, so he basically rounded up a bunch of asteroids and he made a Pluto-sized mold <laughs> and he poured them all into it, and then fused it together to be kind of a, a gravitational placeholder so nothing would get out of whack. Oh, nice. I'm, I'm looking right now at uh, Stellaria's 
Stella's Stella's recap of uh, Trader's history as she knows it. Right. And this this goes to what I was saying before, how you know you look at how she's been talking to Kyle in his apartment, and you look at her recap here. As far as she knows, Green Lantern has always been one person. Like, like she's surprised when Kyle doesn't know who Traitor is. She even says, like, you're supposed to be his, his mortal enemy. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the recap she gives, you know, it shows us the visual of, you know, all these different lanterns doing this stuff. But she basically says, as you know, you know, Green Lantern stopped Traitor's fleet and fought him to a standstill. Then, when Traitor crash lands on Earth, Green Lantern found him, and they f- and they fought again, and lock him away until Traitor finally managed to escape, but Green Lantern was waiting for him, and they fought again, kind of thing. So, oh. so she doesn't make the distinction that it was it was this is Kyle, and before him was Hal, and before him was Abin, and before him was Orange Face guy. Starcore. Yeah. Yeah. I, one thing that I thought was very cool was that he flew into the sun so that he was completely powerless. So how did he escape? Well, yes, the sun went out. <laughs> yes, very nice nod to a final night. Yeah, I, this I thought this was very well done. This is I, I like this a lot. This these two issues. Yeah, I wish Jade got to do more. But yeah, you know. well, this was before she had any powers. No, it's not. Are you sure? Look at the page next to Kyle standing in the asteroid field. Oh, yes, okay. She has the fiery hand. Yeah, she grabs Stella with a construct hand, but... And this is the kind of book where, like, everything, every detail they put in is there for a reason. Like, when Kyle blips over to the outer space asteroid field, he has a, a thought bubble that says, uh-oh, better adjust the atmosphere quick. And then next panel, he has his aura up. And then, mm-hmm. you know, in the next issue, how does he realize that he's he still has power in his busted-up ring? Mm-hmm. Well, he's, he's still alive because he's in <laughs> space. Which, right. actually, now that I look at that, he... <laughs> The thing that makes him realize it is that he's still wearing his costume, not the fact that he's not suffocating, but, you know, <laughs> the, point, the point stands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the the reforming of the ring. Yeah, that's like your favorite thing. That's That really is, like, that, that's, that's one of my, my favorite moments. So cool. It is. With uh, Stel- Stellaria? Stellara. Stella. Yeah. Um, because she is, uh, you know, she becomes Trader's slave, she, you know, she's bound to do it. It's in her DNA. Um, yeah. But she actually, she does, like, come back and, you know, hits Trader at one point, which acts as, like, a distraction long enough to, you know, buy Kyle some time. And so when she actually gives up her life force, for uh, for Kyle to live, she, you know, she, it's like, well, I was basically go- basically gonna die anyway because I went, uh, you know, against the uh, my DNA programming. Yeah. So. Well, that that does help to redeem her in the end, and and I mean, I, you could have redeemed her anyway 
with having her just have a change of heart and and decide, you know, what the hell am I doing? I have to help stop this guy. Mm-hmm. But then if she, the fact that she's dying anyway makes it less tragic that she's basically killing herself to save Kyle. Yeah. I I like I really like how when he's battling like basically final upgrade trader like Trader is not pulling any punches, obviously. He's like he's going at him with the full force of his, you know, dead sons and stuff like that. Um he's punching him in the gut, like with this enormous fist. He's going right through the armor. He's de- like basically destroying Kyle's armor. He's like he's crunching his mask on his face and then like destroying him, like blowing him up with like this, you know, super blast. Like you see Kyle in, like, the next panel, and, like, you can see muscle. You can see through the skin to his muscle being burned. His face is, like, completely just pulverized. He's, he, he really took a beating on this one, you, yeah. and you can tell. It's the, it's like, look how messed up his face is. It's like, yeah. Uh. <laughs> Trader looks like a Transformer. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, he almost, he looks, he, he could fit perfectly into like, like Justice League Unlimited without having to be redesigned at all. Oh, actually, that reminds me. This uh, this two issues was written by a <laughs> somebody that we are, you know, distinctly familiar with. It's not the same. No, it's Scott Collins. Wait, no, he didn't. Yep. He drew the no, last two issues. Oh, you said written. No. Yeah, you did. Oh, well. I'll let it I know out. I know Scott Collins. Okay, well, let's go to that, because I, I was going to bring that up anyway. Okay. I had, until I sat down to read it through this time, mm-hmm. I had no idea this was Scott Collins' artwork. And I, I'll tell you this, I wish to God this is what Scott Collins' artwork still looked like. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, like, if... If, if, uh, god, not Final Crisis. If Blackest Night Flash 1 to 3 looked like this, I would have been so much happier with it. Yeah. Well, I think this is, uh, it's a lot more tight than what he did with Flash. It's a lot cleaner, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that that's probably a stylistic choice on his part, like, to, to go with more of a frenetic style on Flash. Hmm. That was probably the choice there. But, I mean, like, this is, uh, I guess this is more of, uh, an in-between between his, you know, his, his quick style and his uh, tonal style. Yeah. Hmm. I was surprised, you know, because I've, I'm just so used to kind of Scott Collins of today. Yeah. But, so this was refreshing. It makes me want to seek out more of his older stuff. Hmm. Now, and this is this probably comes down to the inker. Who's who inked this? Uh, Cla- oh, Klaus Janssen still. Okay. I love how they they do space. I love the background stuff. Yeah. Like the star fields, how it's so. Like it's not just like mostly black with a few spots of stars here and there. It's like it's almost saturated with white, mm-hmm. and I I love it. It makes it so like like when. They give you these figures that are so like, like, 
clean and simplified, and you put them against this like really complex background, it makes it it makes them pop more. Yeah, I agree with that. And like you get kind of the same effect when um when uh you get that page where Trader laughs at the aspect of Kyle being Green Lantern, he just punches him to the ground. And you get all of those like impact lines coming off. Like, it just gives a this great effect, especially against like. Like, cause you got Kyle's figure and, like, around him is the aura that's, like, just, just flat, flatly colored. I have to say, like, out of, out of the three, like, different, uh, art styles, I think they, they all fit together, like, very well. Yes. And I am so glad that they went with three completely different artists for each section. Cause mm-hmm. not only, not only is it, appropriate, it also helps set, like, cement that these happened at completely different times in history. Mm, yeah. Yeah, if, like, if I was gonna say anything, the Abin Sir story, like, it might have been, it might have been interesting if they had done that in, like, uh, I don't know, more of a, a distinct Golden Age style. Yeah. That would have been, that would have been interesting. I mean, I, I don't see it being, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't make sense from a commercial point of view yeah. um, to go to go to that point. But uh, you know, it's it's nice. It's it's beautiful artwork. I, yeah. It actually it kind of reminded me of um, uh, J.R.J.R. John Romita Jr. I could see that. I there were certain scenes where you you could definitely you know see the. Uh, I mean, the influence, if nothing else. Yeah. Mm. He definitely has, like, a good grasp for the feel of this time period. Yeah. Uh, the, the cover artists were all amazing as well. Yeah. Like, all of these are painted, right? Oh, you know what? That I, be, I bet you that Gil Kane one was Gil Kane and Alex Ross, because it has Gil Kane on cover art. Oh. Well, then, there you go. Hmm. Interesting. Um... Yeah, I I really love the one the cover that's just Abinser with the uh the he's 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 wearing his Green Lantern costume and he has like the the poncho and the hat on. He's got the construct guns. Oh yeah, yeah, it's that's nice, nice image. Really good, really good use of color. You know what it reminded me of? What the shadow. Oh yeah, with like the scarf and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very nice. Um, and then the, uh, you know, the Staples covers. Staples did the uh, the cover to the trade, and the uh, the Kyle Rayner issue covers. Yeah, I uh, I wasn't really big on those. Really? Yeah. I don't know. It's it's just it's just one of those things where I didn't really like the art style. Oh, I I mean like the the second part. Where uh, the way that he painted the the Starcore character, mm. I thought that was very cool. Oh yeah, yeah. That, I mean, I I think I almost I want to say he they I want to say he does ugly characters really well because like on when he does Traitor, Traitor oh, yeah. looks kind of Traitor looks kind of right, and Starcore as this like this. This weird alien yeah. looks good, but like, 
like when I look at Hal Jordan on like the cover there, all I can think is that looks like a pretty ugly dude. I uh, yeah, I can I can see where you're coming from on that one. Although I, I I'll say also that I do like the way that he drew Stellara. Yeah, that 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 came out very nice. Uh, and the backgrounds are beautiful. Oh yeah. We we didn't touch on the the night. What I thought was the funniest thing in the whole thing was the whole um the whole Haljor misunderstanding. Yeah, what was with that? I don't know. I just thought it like like he's an alien. He doesn't get it. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Okay. It was just kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, if, if as long as that's all it was, I, I didn't know if it was supposed to have any, like, some sort of bigger meaning or significance or something. Yeah, he's like, finally, the Haljor, and they're just like, did you just call you Haljor? Yeah. <laughs> and they realize, oh, yeah, everything's gonna explode in five minutes, let's, let's, uh, let's move on. The, uh, the character Stellara, you know who she kind of reminded me of? Who? The... You you would definitely be able to remember this better than me, but from the Doomsday, um, oh the Radiant, yeah that's it that's it, the Radiant. And I was thinking of that Green Lantern also, but I'm like, well no, it doesn't remind me of the Green Lantern, but it definitely does remind me of the Radiant. Yeah, the Radiant was this uh this big glowy energy being that the people oh. I don't remember, was it the people who created Doomsday, or was it the world that Doomsday was trying to destroy? It was the world that Doomsday was trying to destroy. He was their champion. Yeah, and, like, I think he, like, he was the sum total of all of their mental energy put into one being or something, and he killed Doomsday once, and after <laughs> that it didn't go too great. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, again, you have the parallels that, you know, they had their one champion. And, uh, you know, defeated, and then, like this one with Traitor, their their one champion was defeated also. Yeah. This is the kind of story that really, it's good to point people at this when they want to know, like, well, how powerful is Green Lantern anyway? Because even just the Kyle issue, where it's like one, or the Kyle issues, where it's like one gigantic fight scene that <laughs> involves destroying planets and building new ones and all this stuff. Yeah, very true. Which is a traitor's real name, Devlos Ungal. Every once in a while, like I'll look at the uh, the names of some of these characters, and I'll see what they say backwards. Oh God. Well, Devlos backwards is the word solved. What is it? Solved, like you solve a puzzle. Uh, oh, okay. And uh, Ungal backwards is Lagnu. That's not a word. <laughs> I, the only thing I could find referring to Lagnu was uh, the spider character from Lord of the Rings Online. Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> God. Yeah, solved spider character. That's what it's based on. We just found, like, a hidden cheat code for Lord of the Rings Online. Let's get on this. <laughs> yeah, type in traitor and see if anything happens. God. What do you think... Like, what would you think of Traitor coming back? Because it's totally left open if they wanted to, because he's not dead. He's just sealed inside this faux planet. So, um, like, it's uh, like any any writer who wanted to could really just come along and crack it open and bring him out again. Well, I mean, 
like to take it one step further, like they could take him out and they could completely revamp him so that he's completely aligned with the the Black Lantern Corps. Huh. I mean, like he's completely obsessed with death and killing everything, you know. Mm. So I mean, between that and also rage, and not even rage so much because you know we have Atrocitus who actually wants to preserve life. Yeah, I mean he'd fit right in with the, the Black Lantern Corps. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm not talking about in terms of like like what kind of ring could we give him or anything. Just in terms of like like this is like an insane level threat, and he's already kind of kind of evolved beyond all of these other guys. So in terms of like like having this like stupidly powerful Green Lantern bad guy floating around out there. Right. Well, yeah. like. I, you know, I definitely think that they could bring him back, but like I said, like not so much just to give him a ring. I think for story potential, I think you'd almost have to align him with Necron or something like that, just so that way eventually you would have a, a way to get rid of him. Because mm-hmm. I mean, like he's so insanely powerful. Like, what do you do if you build another planet around him? Then, like you know, now you're living in an age where people will drill into that planet mm-hmm. to get him out. So that they can try and use him, not realizing that that's not going to happen. True. So. Yeah, this was a good one. This was, that middle section was a lot better this time around than it was when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, because you know when when we when we were talking about this last episode, I distinctly remember you saying something to the effect of, "Oh, have fun with that one." <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I disliked that so much. Like, I remember liking the Avenger stuff, and liking the Kyle Rayner stuff, but trying to get through the Hal Jordan and Adam stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it was decent, and like, like I said, for what it was, I thought it was well done, very well done. Hmm. All right, and we're back. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, you get, if for the people who did listen to that episode way back in the day, hopefully it was a nice trip down memory lane. And and the people who didn't, who've never had the opportunity to listen to that episode before, hopefully they uh, enjoyed the coverage that Dan and Jim gave to this storyline, which was it was a good. I mean, the concept was interesting. I always liked the idea, or the, when they try to have either similar villains or similar situations that they put different, you know, like legacy. Heroes in. It kind of reminded me almost of you, of the Fear itself graphic novel. Did you have that one? Um, which has Al, which I think deals with Alan Scott, Hal Jordan, and Kyle all basically dealing with the same alien threat, and Kyle is the only one who can really figure out. Yeah, how to, I know what you're talking about. I know I've read it, but it's been a while. Yeah, I have, it. Yeah, I have. I have the hardcover. I have it when it, it's been a while since I read it. But it's kind of interesting just because it all three. It's all three characters dealing with the same threat, and they basically all find a different way to to deal with it. And of course, since Kyle was the GL at the time, he's his solution turns out to be the best solution. <laughs> right. But it was. It's, it's kind of like the same in the same vein, and that's one of the things I kind of liked liked about this having uh, having all you know. Three versions of Green Lantern, and it was kind of nice having Abin Sur be thrown in the mix. So it's all like basically, so instead of just having 
all Earth's Green Lanterns is basically Sector 2814's Green Lanterns, and a good chance to see some fleshing out of Avinsur, who, as I think it's even mentioned in the episode by Dan and Jim, that usually usually Avinsur is pretty much a blank slate, you know? <laughs> and obviously Jeff Johns has, you know, during the Jeff Johns era, he added a lot of depth, or tried to, to Avinsur and give more of a backstory, but other than like the tiger storyline, there there are very few storylines traditionally that you know that really gave a lot of anything to Abinstar. We just know that he crashed crashed to Earth for various reasons and died. <laughs> and gave Hal Jordan the ring, so. But yet everybody seems to like Abinstar, so obviously they're doing something right. Yeah, that I I gotta say one of the things I really like about this Legends of the DC Universe series, and I haven't read every single issue, just these Green Lantern related ones. Um, I just it, it really cool how it feels like the era in which the story should be told. Like, and I, I said it in the the Green Lantern Green Arrow spinoff episode I did. That really felt like a a Green Lantern Green Arrow prequel. Um, it just because of the the format of of the issues at the time in the Green Lantern Green Arrow series, they were kind of one and dones, whereas this was three issues covering one story. And it, it, there's there's some things that don't quite fit in with the Green Arrow, Green Lantern Green Arrow, but it really does serve as a nice as a nice uh, prequel to the Green Lantern Green Arrow series. And these really fit in their respective time periods. Uh, Abin Sir one you can't really place that just so much, but the Green Lantern uh, and Adam one that is absolutely very '60s Gil Kane, yep. uh, you know, and and it definitely fits in the '60s. The Kyle Rayner stuff definitely fits in the '90s. Um, they they really fit in with within the era of the stories that they're trying to tell, which is really really enjoyable. Um, I gotta say that despite the story, like the quality of the story itself, taking a ten thousand foot level view of the Avenger story. I didn't like it only for one reason, and it was just because if I'm going to read a Western, I want to read a Western. I don't want to read super familiar superhero stories set in a Western. No cowboys and aliens for you? <laughs> no, no. And, it, and I, don't, I don't know if, if I necessarily am the – if that's a, a judgment call I can make because I haven't really experienced that a whole lot. Like I hear good things about – and Dan and Jim mentioned it in the episode, the Kents, the Kent series. Uh, I've heard great things about that, but I've and I've come across it, you know, scrolling through some dollar bins, but I've never actually picked it up and read it. So for all I know, that's that's cool, and and it's I know it's actually not necessarily Superman, but it's just focusing on the lineage of Jonathan Kent. Um, but you know, I just just for what it was, it was an okay story, but just something about the tone of the story I didn't jive with me very well. Were you okay with the? The, the Hal the Hal Jordan ancestor tie-in, or did you just or that that didn't phase you one way or the other, or did you dislike it, or you just thought it was? It seemed forced. <laughs> yeah, it it seemed forced. I'm one. I'm. I was about to say I'm one. I'm in the camp of uh, not everything has to be connected, but at the same time, I freak out when some things are connected. Well, you know what I mean. Right. So. It's not that I'm against there being a connection. It's just that sometimes the there being a random connection to future, you know, characters or past characters or whatever works very well. And sometimes where it doesn't. And this is kind of neither neither one. 
I mean, it's not it's not a great connection, but it's not like you know, it's not like oh come on. Right, that's true too. They didn't they didn't they didn't say the word Jordan, and every time they referred to him, you know. Right. It's got some, but they, in their way, they're trying to give us the Hal Jordan Abinsur team up we never got. <laughs> sure. It was and it was really weird when the second part when the. Uh, the Adam and Hal Jordan storyline begins at looking at Black Hand in that outfit is really hard to take. <laughs> well, that one, and, and see, and again, there's not a whole lot I can say because Jim and Dan kind of said a lot uh, already in the episode. That one, the second part of that went way off the deep end. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say because I was gonna ask you which. Well, even though almost by process of elimination now, I, I can only, I can assume the Kyle part is your favorite. Yeah. But, but I was gonna say, despite the fact that you know Hal Jordan is more my Green Lantern than any of the other two, but yeah, that was that was the worst of of the of the three different storylines. I absolutely I think it was it was convoluted. It it was oh it was a little more complicated. I think than it than it needed to be, and yeah, I th- I agree. I think I think the Kyle storyline was the, I think the Kyle version was the best. I think it was a good representation of Kyle, and I like. I liked how the way Kyle was able to f- was face you know face with the seeming seemingly anyway the destruction of his ring and the end of the Green Lanterns and the end of you know his tenure as a Green Lantern and, and then being able to realize that hey you know I'm not a- focusing on the costume but also kind of realizing hey I'm still alive too <laughs> it's like there's got to be some juice left somewhere or else. and then he went back and listened to Trader's words about there being no you know no moving parts or anything in the ring and it was just so, yeah, I, I I think the last I think the last part overall of this trilogy was was the best. Yeah, for sure, and I definitely think Trader should come back as a villain. And just I really I don't want another Durland length storyline and crossover event. You know, I just think maybe Trader coming back for like a four five issue arc would be awesome. It would be cool. Yeah. Even though he is kind of mo- he in a way he's kind of like Mongol light. That's that's how I kind of took him. He's he's kind of like Mongol, maybe a little more, maybe maybe a, a little less of an ass on some levels than Mongol, but I think, but he always kind of struck me as, as that kind in that same vein, you know. He's kind of an evil star too when you think about his power set. That's true. Yeah. And I like the fact that in the third, in the yeah, in the second, I think they touched upon it, in the third part, you kind of get more of an understanding of why he was, why he was going after Green Lanterns to begin with, or why he had a. He had a particular interest in in fighting Green Lanterns. It wasn't just about. It wasn't really, truly about revenge at all. It was just about trying to, be, you know, better, better his own weaponry and his make him a make him a better killer, essentially. <laughs> oh, that traitor! Uh, even though I, I have would have to say, even though it's my least favorite part of of the trilogy, I I do like that part in the the second one when I think Hal says uh, that. I mean, really, really, really can't trust this guy because I'm pretty sure his mother didn't name him Traitor. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was that that part was pretty cool. I thought that was pretty funny. That made that made definitely made me think of you know of like class of classic Hal. Just that little, that little you know, that, not only that, but just that that was a good uh, in a microcosm. It was kind of of a, who Hal is. So, but you're right. right. It did have that. It did have that. Silver Age vibe to it. Jenny was still a bitch. <laughs> In the, the small amount of time we did see her, 
there was a moment where I was, I, I can't remember. I think it's right after she pulls him aside to talk to him before he goes off with what's your name. I just like, oh, God, Jen, you bitch, just stop talking. <laughs> just it'll, let him do his thing. <laughs> uh, I haven't forgiven you, Jenny Lynn Hayden. <laughs> Even even the new fifty even in the new fifty two when she doesn't when there is no Jenny Lynn Hayden right I still hold a grudge. Guy comes swooping through the front window with some flowers and you can't even be bothered to kick the dude out of your shower. <laughs> hold on to these, Kyle. I'm almost done. <laughs> oh, people. All right. Well, you have anything else to say about the traitor storyline before we wrap up this episode? Let's see. Oh, I thought there was one other thing, but um, eh, I don't know if there's anything of true. Tr- I think, I think for the most part, Jim and Dan pretty much touched all all their major beats. I, I think as as a whole, I think that the I like the way how the stories fit together. I also like the fact that, like they mentioned, that you pick up part two. They kind of refer, you know, the second part of the trilogy. They kind of tell you what happened in the Abensor part, and they do the. And they do the same thing in Kyle's part on, you know, they, to bring you up to snuff in case you had not read those. But it's definitely it's definitely a cool graphic novel to have. I actually, you know, I know I have the issues, but I have the graphic novel in front of me, so I think that I think that this definitely works as a graphic novel, considering. So I think it was a good I think it was a good storyline, and it was a good concept to, to you know span the generations of Green Lantern with the same villain and. So I think, yeah, I think so. I think overall it worked, even though I think we both agree that the 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 middle chapter certainly was no Empire Strikes Back in this trilogy. <laughs> All right, uh, that's gonna do it, I guess, for this episode. Then, so before I let Mark uh, go into do the closing, don't forget, guys, head on over and uh, Google either Views from the Long Box, Pop Culture Affidavit or the Gotham Girls podcast and uh, find the participating entries in uh, their respective podcasts for the Legends Month crossover over there. Um, I am pretty certain they're all available on iTunes as well, so I would definitely uh, look them up in iTunes and download them there as well. Um, Mark, do you want to close this out? Sure. Uh, if you'd like to contact us, email us, lanterncast at gmail.com, lanterncast at gmail.com. Please visit our website, lanterncast.com. You can get our the latest news in general. You can get our Ring Cyclopedia episodes, download our, our latest episodes. Uh, we'll be getting back to movie reviews now that we're getting into that time of year. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Use hashtag GLCast to locate us on both. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you like us on iTunes and or Stitcher, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call us at 708-LANTERN. 708-LANTERN. And let us know what you think, people. All right, guys. Next episode you will hear from us is uh, Mark's spinoff entry into the uh, Legends Month crossover. And after that, I'm assuming regular issue reviews since we're a little behind. <laughs> yeah, I think, we'll be, I think we'll be finally rolling into the March book, which... which Thanks to the beauty of Convergence, luckily we're still not that, going to be that far behind by the time we actually get that episode out. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, because there's only two Green Lantern titles in the Convergence event, I wonder if we should just wait for both issues of both series to come out and do it all in one episode with regular Convergence talk. Yeah, that's, that's, that, yeah. yeah, I agree. I think we so, should do so, that. 
so we'll be we'll be two months behind technically i guess because we're we're waiting for for the, the second issues of both series to come out so that that is true so that's yeah, but that's I think that's I was glad you said that because I was kind of leaning towards that myself. So we, so we do yeah we do the core two parter, we do parallax two parter, and then we can just basically go through convert go through convergence as a whole and talk yeah. about what we think about it. And so, the series, the, the individual series we're reading outside of it. That's true. We can yeah we can we can give a little insights on because because you're reading a few and I'm reading a few and I, and I think other I do have Swamp Thing about to be pulled tomorrow, so I do think that that might be the the only one we have you didn't get you didn't get speed force pulled did you i didn't but i did download it digitally okay because i that that i, so do I was have. curious but not enough to buy it yeah i i that's one of the i haven't gotten too many other ones besides the green lantern one but i kind of like i like the wally one so far and i like i think that's probably my favorite of the few that i've gotten besides any of the green lantern one so yeah just off the top of my head i know i was getting jsa I know I was getting uh, the Crime Syndicate. I know I was getting the Freedom Fighters uh, with Plastic Man. I think that was. Uh, I know I was getting Swamp Thing, Len Wein Swamp Thing. I know I was getting Greg Rucka's Question, the Green Lantern titles, and that's all I can remember off the top of my head. Nice. There, there might have been one or two others I was curious about. And besides Speed Force and the Green Lanterns, I'm. I like I said, a Swamp Thing is going to be pulled tomorrow. I had. I got Superboy. And Shadow of the Bat last week, and I think I actually, yeah, I'm pretty sure those are the only ones that I'm getting. So yeah, I'm probably going to end up reading them all digitally. Uh, uh, the ones that, at least the ones I didn't pre-order physical copies of. Just like for instance, I downloaded uh, Ron Mars's uh, Batman and Robin because he, with our interview with him, he right. definitely made me curious. So I'm definitely going to check that out. But, you know, guys, that's just a little bit of a teaser in our previous episode that released earlier this week that you guys heard. Um, there was some Convergence talk at the end there. So we might give you a little bit of snippets between now and the time we actually record the Convergence episode. But don't expect a, a Convergence talk until all the Green Lantern issues have been released for that Convergence event. True, unless we change our minds. <laughs> That's true. It's entirely possible. Yes, yeah, because we know Parallax will be out. You know, Parallax will wrap up before Core does. So, <laughs> so you never know. But the odds are, yeah, we'll probably just write it out and then, and then just do it. Do it in one. Do it in one episode. It would kind of be appropriate to do all convergence talking in one episode. That's right. And don't forget, guys, June, July, Green Lantern's seventy-fifth anniversary. We're doing it big. There'll be more rumors about who's going to be Green, Green Lantern in a movie by then, too, probably. Green Lantern 2020, co-produced by Chad Bokelman and Mark Marvel. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez is Green Lantern. I will say, though, if we're not invited onto the set of Green Lantern in 2020 or 2019 when they're filming or whatever, I'm going to be pissed. Like, <laughs> either on set or a little gift basket from Warner Brothers or I mean something come on guys you better start getting angry now Chad you heard it here first <laughs> let it build into an atrocious like a vendetta for the next five years yes <laughs> let your hatred grow alright guys we'll talk to you later <laughs> good night everybody good night <laughs>